Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. If you are leading and no one is following, you are just going for a walk. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. Hey, while I have your attention, I want to remind you that our Winter Leadership Conference is just a few weeks away, and there's probably still room. Uh, if you want to get in on the last minute, uh, I would encourage you to go to nrpastors.com. We are going to have a great time together. I'm working on the series called uh, Laws of Leadership, and I want to talk about the law of influence today. You know, there's an old saying saying that if you are leading and nobody's following, you're just going for a walk, and I think that's well said. And uh, one of the things I want to talk to you about is taking your position and turning it into influence. You know, position or title technically are the lowest forms of influence. And great leaders are men and women who take their title or take their position and they turn it into influence. They don't use their title or their position to trade for influence, but they use it as an opportunity, kind of like equity. They cash their equity in in the title or the position they have and use it for influence. So I want to give you three ways to gain influence and to use influence positively in people's lives. But of course, we need to talk about why to use influence because that's the, that's the barometer. That's the GPS. And very simply, the, the, the why is that it should be a clarion call to increase the kingdom in whatever venue that happens to be in, okay? Whether it's world missions or somebody being a better dad or a better mom, whatever breadth of that. So when you talk about, hey, I want to use my influence, it's not for self-promotion. It's for promoting the kingdom and God's reign on this earth. So having said that, uh, I want to just talk to you here for a few minutes. I want to give you three key ways to translate your opportunity into influence. Now, how do you influence someone? Okay, way number one, you influence somebody based on your own accomplishments, based on the things you have achieved, and that would include an inspirational life that you live that inspires others. In other words, the first rule of influence is biography, okay? Who you are, not your title, not anything, not notoriety. It's your biography with people. I was thinking about this in 1 Timothy 4. uh, Listen to what he says here uh, to uh, his son, Timothy, Paul. He says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. You know what that's translated into? Influence. Let me read it again. Speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself to be an example. A model is better than a message any day of the week. So one of the laws of influence is learning to use your accomplishments not just to lift up yourself, but to better 
other people's lives. No, he keeps going on here. He says, until I come again, give attention to the reading of the scripture, to exhortation and teaching, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance of the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Then notice verse 15, take pains with these things, scrutinize these things, be intense about these things. He says this, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be made evident, what, to all. Why is that important? Because people want to follow somebody that's leading. There's a lot of people that want to lead, but they're just going in circles. They're more like pigeons than they are eagles. They just fly around in circles and end up in the same space, okay? They don't know how to catch the wind. So your biography, what you accomplish. So paying attention to your own life and then translating that. And for some of you, that's simply being taking an honest appraisal and say, you know, there's some things I really do well. There's some things I'm good at. There's some things I've accomplished in my life. And and I'm just going to unashamedly start speaking those into people's lives. I'm going to share them. I'm going to invite them alongside me. I'm going to see them struggling in an area, and I'm going to pull my chair up beside them and say, hey, I can help you with this if you're open, okay? That's, That's how you use influence. It's your biography. It's being an example. You don't have to have a position You don't have to be a a great speaker necessarily. You don't have to be uh, charismatic in nature if you are a good model. That's number one law of influence. The number two law of influence is something I think we know but we need to articulate. And that is where you serve somebody else to make them better at who they are and what they do. Where you serve somebody else. You focus on somebody and you serve them to help them be better at who they are and what they do. Now, who they are and what they do are obviously connected. But I think a lot of times in ministry, we jump to the second part. I'm going to help this person be better at what they do rather than be better at who they are. Here's my conviction. In years of ministry, the people I've helped be better at who they are have always done better at what they do. (laughs) And the people that are better at what they do turn into legacy influencers. In other words, they're taking the influence I've I've given them or imparted to them, and they just naturally do the same thing. So you wanna serve somebody, you look at somebody, maybe there's somebody you think has some gifts or calling or something in their life, but maybe they're stumbling around with some personal things. You know what? Help them be the best person, to be better at who they are, and then you'll help them to be better at what they do. If you help others with their vision, I believe you won't have any trouble getting people to buy into your vision. If you help people with their vision, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do with your family, with your money, with your team, with your with your, you know, with your health, with your job. I mean, pick a subject that they're passionate about and you help them do that. You maybe get them some vision tools or you connect them to other people or to yourself who are good at that. Listen, when you ring the bell and you call them to vision, they're going to want to be a part of that even if they're not specifically gifted in that area, okay? I think there's a lot of vision failure in business and in the church 
because we've, we've run past first base. We haven't even touched first base, and we're trying to get into scoring position on second base. We haven't just sat down and talked to that person or ascertained, what can I do to be a blessing to you? What can I do to help you? I think that's where vision starts. I think that's that's uh, really a very uh, critical part. When I was pastoring, the last few years I pastored, we would do a thing on New Year's Day, actually, and we got a good turnout, believe it or not, on New Year's Day, and I would just talk about ways to develop your vision. I wouldn't talk about church vision. I had already been talking about church vision for several months because that's what I did. I, I built it up from Thanksgiving on, and uh, of course, we used January to cast vision, but I wanted to take some time and really invest in other people, and I brought financial people in to talk. I brought business people in to talk about your vision, what is on your heart, what do you want to do? And of course, that could include ministry, but more often than not, it was just helping people get a sure footing in their own life so they could be profitable in other areas, okay? And then the third area that you have vision in, and I, and I think, again, this is where people skip first base, they skip second base, and they go right to third base, is there's that rare person that has an overwhelming clarity plan or idea that just draws people. It's just like a magnet. And listen, those people are few and far between. And I think a lot of businesses and a lot of churches make big mistakes here. They're trying to come up with the latest way to tie a bow, the greatest new way to cook an egg. And, you know, they, they feel like they've got to put some new spin on it or come up with some great new idea rather than saying, this is who we are, this is what we do. Here's how you can be a part of it. And here's the kingdom impact that it's going to make. Now, let me just say this. If you do have something burning in your heart, if you really do have an idea to empower people's lives, to empower the church, to affect business, to infiltrate your community, then you owe it to yourself to put those ideas down and work on articulating them. But I think that is the minority rule. But I think most people sitting in the seats, the people that work for you, the, the, you know, you interface with in the community or come to church with you, they see the last expression of vision that is usually somebody that is at least fairly articulate, pounding something out, and they think that's where vision starts. They think, oh man, I've got to be able to come up with this great idea and I got to put things together. And I'm telling you, I think that's backwards. I think first base comes first. And I think that's based on your own accomplishments. Like, what do I do well? What have I accomplished? What is my biography? What do I care about? What am I a good model at? If somebody watched me, uh, what could they become in this certain area? And, and I think that's number one. And really paying attention and really doing that. Uh, this is this is very important part of this kind of growth. And then the second part is serving somebody else to make them better at who they are and what they do. I don't think you should separate the two because we don't want to just make people better at what they do and or who they are and then go do their own thing. We want to tie it to the kingdom. I'm just saying that if you put a little bit of investment in helping people being better who they are, they're going to be better at what they do, and then they're going to help you do what you have to do. So that's great vision leadership. And then the last one is having an overwhelming vision, plan, or idea that you articulate 
uh, very well. Those are three key ways that influencers work. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. If you're able to get to our winter conference in Orlando in February, what an opportunity, huh? I would take advantage of it. Ask yourself right now, what's really stopping me from jumping out of the box and taking a break and investing in myself? I challenge you to do it in Jesus' name. Today, Keith continued his discussion on the laws of leadership. Law number one, the law of self-investment. Law number two, the law of faith. Law number three, the law of doing. And today he talked about law number four, the law of influence. There are three keys to using your influence. Key one is use your biography. Key two, serve someone else to make them better at who they are and what they do. And then key three is have a vision, plan, or idea that you articulate well. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.